Welcome to the Wild Grand Rapids message of the week. We hope you're encouraged, strengthened, and experienced the presence of God through this message by Apostle Kathy L. Ali. I guess I get an already drink, drink, whatever. Anyway, today is a new day. Today, I'd be transformed by the power of God, by the presence of God, to never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give him another shout. He's worthy. Wow, I just feel all kinds of emotions going on this morning. I was up a little later last night than I typically would be, but I started watching what was going on downtown and just asking God to come and bring peace where there's been unsettlement and unrest. And uh, I'm not aware yet of what businesses I didn't look at this morning um, uh, were on fire and damaged and stuff like that. But I know that uh, more and more we realize that the things of this world aren't nearly to be compared with um, Jesus and with people. Um, that's what it's all about. I've always said I've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. And uh, so the only thing you're going to take with you are the people that are around you. Amen? So that's so important. Um, I'm going to talk about Pentecost. Um, and I don't have tons of time uh, to get into a lot of the details. But I think um, it's really important that we have an understanding of what Pentecost is and how, where it originated from. And it actually um, was started in the Old Testament. And we think of Pentecost as only being in the New Testament. But we actually started in the Old Testament. And it would have been about 50 days after the Passover. And uh, the Greek um, word uh, for it, they also call it the Feast of Weeks, which would have been approximately seven weeks that they would have celebrated from the Passover until uh, Pentecost. And it's literally like that 50 days of time. And it was important that we understand that because it was um, during like the grain harvest. And so they would celebrate and have um, just a, a celebration of what it is that um, the work of their hands and what it is that God had done and the way he had spared them from, um, the, uh, from the plagues. And so now what we see is in the book of Acts is um, in what was prophesied in the Old Testament in Joel, which is that he was going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. And so I want us to read together in Acts chapter 2. And we're going to just experience what it is that they experienced. And I'm going to talk about what I believe God is doing now. Um, I'm going to jump back to chapter 1, verse 8 real quick. It says, and Jesus was saying to them, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now, verse 2, here they are all gathered together, much like they were gathered together um, when they were um, 
before Jesus died, they gathered together and they did communion, the, the Last Supper. They gathered in a room. And so what we're seeing is once again, they're gathered together in a room. And it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, it was an actual day, Pentecost, um, they were with all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so we see that there was this mush, rushing mighty wind, and we see that fire was present. And I want to talk a little bit about what those two are. And John the Baptist, if you remember, he actually uh, spoke about what was going to be coming up ahead before, when he was getting ready to baptize Jesus. He said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn and burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And I believe that that's what we're experiencing right now. And I, I, I want to talk about um, the power of the wind in the Old Testament so we can understand that when the wind came, it represented the Holy Spirit and the fire, but also of the presence of God. Exodus chapter 10 verse 13 says, So Moses stretched out his rod over the land of Egypt, and the Lord brought an east wind on the land all that day and all that night. When it was morning, the east wind brought the locusts. So it's important to see that the wind also signifies power, but it's not all it signifies. We're going to talk about whatever, what else it represents, but we see that's power. The wind in the Old Testament, it blew and it had power in such force that it dried everything up. Isaiah chapter 11 Verse 15, it says, The Lord will utterly destroy the tongue of the sea of Egypt with his mighty wind. He will shake his fist over the river and strike it in the seven streams and make men cross over dry ground. Again, we're seeing that his wind was a force. It was a power. It's just like when we see him divide the Red, the red Sea. So when you come and we think of the Holy Spirit, we think of him as with power. And it says in, um, in Matthew chapter 14, verse 23, we, it starts talking about how uh, when Jesus was walking on the water and Peter and everybody was in the boat and the, and the storms began to go and it says that he spoke and it was still. And so the waves and the wind was actually full of power and was moving the boat. But Jesus walked on the water, commanded Peter to come out by his word and, and Peter began to walk. But then what happened? The wind began to go again. What happened? This the power of the Holy Spirit that is moving. So we see that, that there's, there's something that's even more significant than the wind is that the life that was breathed, which is the wind, the life that was breathed into Adam. And so we see that there was a life in the breath of God. What am I trying to get you to see? That in the wind of God, there is a power that is released, but there's also a life that is being released within you when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit so that you can be bold and so that you'd have 
an anointing to be able to decree and declare what the Word of God says. It was more than a feeling. It was, it, was, it was more than just a It was more than that. That is a sign of it. It's a manifestation of it. But the wind literally is the breath of God. The ruah, breath of God, was being blown on them and in them and through them, just like we experience that today. So it's important that we understand as ecclesia what we are being prepared for. In the New Testament, we see the spirit that is behind it. The wind blows, John chapter 3, verse 8. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. Uh, Genesis 2, 7, just as Adam received the breath of physical life, so the second Adam, Jesus, brings the breath of spiritual life and vitality. Um, now let's go to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29. I want to talk about the fire of God. And it says that for God is a consuming fire. So we see that fire is associated with the presence of God. So when they were in the upper room, they are experiencing the cleansing, the holiness of God. Malachi 3.2 says, but he, who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like a launderer's soap. So they come and they're, they're experiencing the cleansing, the holiness of God. When we experience a fresh baptism of, of the Holy Spirit, we're receiving the Ruah breath of God in and through our life. We're experiencing the presence of God in and through our life. We're experiencing that fire, that cleansing, that purification that causes holiness, that causes us to want to be how he is. Now, there's these two things that I feel like um, the Lord began to speak to me. Um, one of the most important things that I want us to be able to really grab a hold of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, of, of Pentecost, of being um, endued with power from on high, is that it, it, it is like, it is the power of the Holy Spirit. But I think the greater thing that we cannot miss the whole reason why we receive the Holy Spirit, the whole reason why Jesus came to save us is because of the fact that he first loved us. I believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, is another, not the only great, but is another great example of God's love for us. And so what we should be able to do is love the way that he loves once we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that we should be, be being filled. Amen? So one way that we can judge a tree by its fruit is how well are, am I loving? How well are you loving? And I'm going to get into that in a little bit, but let's turn to Luke chapter 15. And one of the reasons I, I spoke to the Lord and I said, okay, what are you saying right now? What are you saying in this season? And, you know, we keep hearing the word, you know, we're coming into a new era. Well, I believe we're in the new era. I don't believe we're coming into it. I believe that we're in it. And with that is a new level of anointing. 
With that is promotion for those who are being faithful. With that is new revelation in the word. We're gonna see things that we've never seen before, but they've been hidden for us for such a time as this. Not hidden from us, but for us. Now they're being unveiled, and we're seeing things more clearly than we've ever seen it before. I believe in this new church era, I believe we've had a lot of, you know, restoration in the body of Christ of like the, the fivefold and we call it the saints movement. And I think that now we're actually coming in to the ecclesia, being able to be the ecclesia and ruling and reigning upon the earth. And so there's going to be a greater level of, of anointing, a greater level of responsibility. And I want to talk about how Bob Jones prophesied that um, we would see a billion soul harvest and it would start in 2020 and i looked and i thought wow this is a real great way to start off 2020 we're in quarantine how are we supposed to bring in the harvest when we're all sitting in our homes and um so i i, I believe that that's a, just a preparation like esther was being prepared right she was being perfumed she was being prepared for the king i believe we're in preparation so that we will be able to be useful in the day of service and so um in this season, uh, I was thinking about Bob Jones prophesying this, and he had died, if, if any of you know this story, that he had died, had gone to heaven, and the Lord returned him, because he said, I want you to learn how to love. So he learned, and he's known as like a prophet of love, and he learned how to love. And so that seed, that mantle, that love is here. And when I think about love and I think about the billion soul harvest, I'm thinking, how are we going to usher in a billion souls except for by the love of God? The power of God will accompany it. It'll be a manifestation of it. But if we don't have love, we sound as a clanging cymbal, not just to man, but to him. Amen. So let's go to Luke chapter 15, verse 11. I'm going to read out of the Amplified. This is the prodigal son. It says, then he said, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them inappropriately said to his father, father, give me the share of the property that falls to me. So he divided the estate between them. And a few days later, the younger son gathered together everything that he had. He traveled to a distant country and there he wasted his fortune in reckless and immoral living. Now, when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to do without and be in need. So he went and forced himself on one of the citizens of the, that country who sent him into the field to feed pigs. Now, this is something that's really important, that when the Jews would have heard this, that is disgusting to them, because they were ceremonially unclean and there he is with the pigs so this was a big deal that this was happening and that he even said this so it says but finally he came to his senses he said how many of my father's hired men have more than enough food while I am dying here of hunger I will get caught up and go to my father I will say to him father I have sinned against heaven and in your sight I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired men. So he got up and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and he was moved with compassion for him and he ran 
And he embraced him. He kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him and give him a ring for his hand and sandals for his feet. And I want to stop right there. And I want us to see something that's really important that maybe we've never seen before. But I believe that the robe represents um, the robe of righteousness. And I believe that the robe is what gets us to heaven. And, and as I'm seeing this prodigal son come rushing home to his father, he gives him the best robe, puts it on him. But he doesn't stop there. He gives him a ring. And that ring signifies covenant. Rings always signify covenant and authority. And I believe that God wants us to remember to wear our ring. That our ring is not only do we have a robe of righteousness, but we have a ring of covenant that he has placed upon us. That we can rule and reign and have great authority. In the Old Testament, that ring would have been like, they would have taken it in wet wax, they would, they would get, get it wet, and they would stamp it onto like a back of a, of a, of a like a, a, what do I want to call it, like a contract or a deed or something like that. But anyway, it was, it was the king's authority. And if you had that seal, if you had that seal, you had uh, authority. If you had the ring, you had greater authority. If you had the seal, then you, you, were, you were, it was like the king was saying, I'm with you. And so God is saying he is with us. He has given us his ring, his seal that is upon us. It even talks about that in the Old Testament, that the seal is upon us, it's upon our arm. And so we want to be careful that when we are walking around that we don't forget, not only do we put on the robe of righteousness, but we have the authority and the ring, the seal that God has given us. Then we see this is a really important thing that God has provided for us. And I, I wanted to talk about this in the day of Pentecost because I believe it mirrors each other very much, is that he put sandals on his feet. Now, to go barefoot was a sign of shame. So he immediately gets him a pair of sandals and puts them on his feet so that shame would be taken away from him. That he no longer had to walk in shame, but he can walk in honor and in dignity. So not only did he have a robe of righteousness, not only was he carrying the ring that showed that he had authority and he had covenant, but he also got a pair of sandals on his feet that took away the shame of his past. And God wants to say to you that he's given you all of these things so that you would be able to see yourself the way that he sees you. And he runs up, he hugs you, he kisses you, and he calls you good. Amen. Come on, give him praise. So turn with me to 1 Corinthians 13. So as we're celebrating Pentecost, as we're celebrating all that God has provided for us, and with the, with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the, being anointed with the power of God on high and being his witnesses, I feel like it's really important that we understand um, what we have and, and that we can walk in it with the right type of character and attitude. 
And I'm just going to read quickly in uh, verse 31 of chapter 11. It says, or chapter 12, but earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet I'm going to show you a more excellent way. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long, it's kind. Love does not envy, it does not parade itself, it's not puffed up. It does not behave rudely, it does not seek its own. It is not provoked and thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that just perfect comes, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also I am known. And now abide faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. You know, true humility taps you into God's ability. And when you are walking in the humility of God and you're walking in the love of God, you're going to be able to see the miracles that we cry out for because there will be a natural overflow and byproduct of your love for him first and your love for mankind second. And I think that it's important to see that when you follow after love, faith comes, and when faith comes, hope has something to hang its hat on. And I was went for a walk yesterday, and as I, I, I do, Every time I'm going to minister, I have to go for a walk because I, I need to listen and just pray. I call it my prayer walk, and I'm prayer walking. And I'm just focusing on God's love. And I was kind of heavy throughout the day, discouraged by certain things. And, and so um, I was like, um, I just need to encourage myself. And, and so I just thought, how do I encourage myself? I need to think about God and his goodness and his love. And so I did that. And as I was doing that, I, I, I just heard him giving me this um, kind of like a downpour of what, he, what he's wanting to see in this season and the importance of Pentecost and what it actually brought. And so I'm walking along and I'm, I'm, I'm being like encouraging myself, listening to him and filling myself up with, with um, his love. And all of a sudden I'm like going into um, the next subdivision, which happens to be um, uh, my son's subdivision, and, uh, Rachel's, my daughter-in-law, and my four grandchildren. And so I'm like, oh no, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. I'm going to get into the folders and I'm going to be like 
sucked up by my four grandchildren, and I will go home with all of them. And because um, that's usually what happens. And so I went, and I thought, Lord, please, I love them, and you know, I, I don't know how to say no. And so if they say, Mimi, can we come over? I'm going to go, no, okay. Because she's going to say, oh, Mimi, you know, I'm just going to sit. We'll just go up in our room and play. We won't bother you at all. We're just going to go to our room and play, and, and we'll just be all on our own. And I'll be like, okay. And they come, and they don't do that at all. They, they, they go up, and they come down, and they go up, and they come down, and they have to show you things. They said, look at, look at this, Mimi. I'm like, I know. Remember Mimi's, Mimi's studying? Yeah, okay, yeah, okay, Mimi. And then they go back up. Mimi, I'm hungry. And I'm like, so then we're getting, we're getting something to eat, and so we've eaten. Now I'm cleaning up after they get done eating, and now they're, they're going back up into the room, or they're going outside. They come back in 15 minutes later, just as I got done cleaning up, and I just sit down. They said, Mimi, can we have a snack? <laughs> well, of course you can have a snack. And so now we're in the pantry, which is huge. We, you can walk in it, and you can lay in it if you want to. And um, we have all kinds of processed food that is not healthy and should never be eaten, but we have it anyway because the grandchildren like it. And so we have Cheerios, Cheetos, pretzels, popcorn, potato chips, all this, kind, I mean, just all kinds of stuff. And so then they'll pick out what they want and so then they leave and they go and I'm like, okay, now I can sit back down. Mimi, I need to wash my hands. Okay, well, just go wash your hands. Okay, Mimi. And this is a constant cycle. And so instead of bothering me every five minutes, when they know I'm studying, it's only every 10 to 15. So I thought, I don't want to fall into this trap. So I went in because I wanted to see them and said hi. And I just get this big run with a big old smile. And Abigail comes, Mimi. And she like hugs me and I'm like this is the best in the whole world and then she gives me a hug and that was it thank you thank you thank you and then I got another hug from uh, from uh, Macy and then I saw Olivia was on the floor playing and and she wasn't crying everything was good and everything was peaceful I thought this is amazing God you're moving your love is perfect in this place Matthew just smoked a chicken and I got to eat some of it. So I grabbed a couple pieces of that and then I said, I'm going. And I went out the door and I never heard, Mimi, can we come to your house? I was like, ha 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 ha. And I made it. And I called, I called Becca and I said, you're not gonna believe it. I'm on my way home. I know I've been on a long walk, but I made it out of Fuller's without any girls. And she's like, wow, that is a miracle. So then I just continued to pray. Now I'm really encouraged. I realize God is actually on this word because he didn't want me to be distracted. And literally, God's peace is coming and that feeling of not feeling good went away. And I don't know about you guys, girls and guys alike, sometimes you just need to have an affirmation. You just need to hear, you look beautiful today. Or you need to hear, I just think you're amazing. Or, or you need to hear, I just wanna come and spend time with you. I just wanna be with you. And you're like, oh, right? Well, I wanted that. And I didn't, wasn't getting it that day. And so I decided, God was gonna show me. 
And I opened up my cabinet and I said, God, what are you saying to me? And I see a big old pink mug right in the front and it says, hello, gorgeous. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you're so good. So I encouraged myself. I thought that was from God. You might just think I, I opened it up and it was, I just happened to have that mug. No, that was from God. That was placed right there strategically. So I filled that mug up, had my lean, whatever it's called, lean. I can tell you about that later. Mm-hmm. I love that stuff. You have it a couple of times? No, I do. It's one meal a day. Lean. Remember, prolexus, something like that? Anyway, moving on. I've totally lost the anointing. Come back, come back, come back, come back. All right, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. <clears throat> Whew, that's good. You know, how this really got me stirred up was I watched um, Ravi Zacharias, um, his... Um, memorial service. If you haven't seen it, you should see it. Um, it was a remarkable, remarkable tribute to a man um, who loved so well. He loved well and lived well. And I thought, God, I want to love well. I want to live well. And he did both. And his family adored him. And people adored him. He said he could dine with kings or he could talk to a taxi driver and make him feel like he was a king. He, he was ever present when he was with people. He adored his wife. On his deathbed, he's looking at her and calling her a gem. It's, it's, it's amazing to see the testimony that he has of how well he loved. And I believe that that's one of the ways that we manifest the fullness of who God is. So uh, chapter 3, verse 14, for this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. I'm actually going to go over to the Amplified. May he grant you, out of the riches of his glory, to be strengthened and spiritually energized with power through his spirit in your inner self, indwelling your innermost being and personality so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you, having been deeply rooted and securely grounded in love, be fully capable of comprehending with all the saints, all of God's people, what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height of his love fully experiencing that amazing, endless love, and that you may come to know practically through personal experience the love of Christ, which surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you may be filled up throughout your being to all the fullness of God so that you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your life, completely filled and flooded with God himself. When you are clothed with the robe of righteousness and you're aware of the covenant ring that you wear and you are aware of the fact that Jesus put on a new pair of sandals on your feet because he took the shame away from you and you are aware of the, of the love that God has shed out for you, there is nothing, nothing, nothing that you will not be able to go through. 
because love, love never fails. Everything else will fail. Everything else will give away, but his love endures forever. His love will give you the faith that you can take that hope and hang your hat on it because that is exactly what God's love does. It fills you in and through. And if you've never experienced the love of God, you will never understand what it is that I'm saying. Because once you've experienced the love of God, you will never be the same. You will never be the same. It's impossible to be the same once you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the one who displays the love of God. The Holy Spirit is the one that imparts the love of God to us. The Holy Spirit is the revealer of the Father's love. The Holy Spirit is the revealer of what Jesus has done. He says he will remind us of the things that our Father has spoken to us. He will bring them back to your remembrance. And when he created the foundations of the world and he began to, he blew breath into Adam, he looked and he said, I call that very good. When he looks at you, he doesn't see the shame of the past. He doesn't see the mistakes that you've made. He looks at you and he sees you through the blood of his son. And he looks at you and he says, you are good. Amen. So grab a hold of all of the baptism that the Holy Spirit has. It's so much more than just mere what we call power. It is the dunamis power of God, but it is, has to flow through the person of, of the Holy Spirit. And, and all, of the, all of the gifts that are named which I was going to go through, but I don't have time, but all the gifts that are named abide within you. And some people will say, well, well, this person operates way more with the gift of healing than I do. But that's, cause, that's because they believe it and they have stepped out in it. But if you want to stir that up, stir that up in you, you start stepping out and do that. Lay hands on the sick and they will recover. It wasn't just for Max. It's not just for uh, Matthew. It's not just for a few people. It's for all of us. Say all of me. How many of you are baptized in the Holy Spirit? Raise your hand. That means that you have all gifts that are residing within you. How many of you know that the love of God is the greatest gift of all? Because it says that love never fails. Amen? That's the greatest gift of all. Let me close with this scripture. Ephesians 5, verse 1. Therefore, become imitators of God. Hang on. Copy him and follow his example. As well-beloved children, imitate their father and walk continually in love. Can I say something? Maybe you never had a father or a mother that loved you the right way. And I don't mean this in a hard way, but it doesn't give you an excuse not to learn to love the way our father loves at some point, we learn what love is by understanding the Father's love. As well-beloved children imitate their Father and walk continually in this Father, in that love, that is value for one another. Practice empathy and compassion, unselfishly seeking the best for others, not for yourself. Don't be number one in your life. 
serve others just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us an offering a sacrifice to God slain for you so that it became a sweet fragrance how much more should we live our life for our brother and sister in Christ and for those who are yet to come into the kingdom when you put yourself in the back burner you, you when you really don't feel like you're everything and you're you're number one in your life then what happens is that you'll do things that you never thought you would be able to do that you'll hug people you never thought you'd be able to hug you'll pray for people you never thought you'd be able to pray for you'll be able to give people things that you never thought you would be able to give them why because you're not putting yourself first amen so let's make a difference this week Let's, let's continually pray and speak life and declare life into the people that are around us. Let's honor and lift them up, cherish them, cherish them, cherish them. Cherish the people that are around you and pray for peace. Pray for God to come and invade this territory, that our land would be healed. Our voice matters, and it's time that we stand up for those people who cannot be heard, that we will help their voice be heard. Amen? Amen. Stand to your feet. Richie, come on up. The executive team, come up. Richie, this is not fair. That whole heel train and that send part, it's really hard. We're just going to let you know that you're actually not leaving. That's why we wanted you to come up here. You can come yeah. up and grab them now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we took your plane ticket, yeah. and it's actually just getting, oh, yep, it just went through the yeah. <laughs> shredder. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but he's been with us for five, six, six years. years. Wow, six years. And he's all grown up. You didn't have a beard. And it's hard. Well, he's our last Ghanaian from Calvin. And um, super proud of him. Yeah. Moms get to cry, sort of brothers and aunts. But, um, he got his engineer degree, and um, he is going to be going back um, to Ghana and taking over his father's business, correct? Working with him, learning all of the tools of the trade and stuff, and it's a very, very amazing opportunity. Um, and we are happy for him. It's just really hard to see him go, but we'll always be in relationship and in covenant with him. So if you want to share anything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'll share, I guess. Um, 
So Richie came to the well six years ago with a group from Calvin, if, if you guys don't know that, um, including Sung Woo came, I think, around that time as well from Calvin. Um, and uh, there was a group of one, two, three, four, five, five of you from Ghana that are now all over the world right now, um, which is pretty amazing. And uh, have one is now a doctor and has is, has her residency at Mayo Clinic, right, in uh, Minnesota, in Wente, yeah. Um, others are in, uh, getting their master's still. So anyway, these this group of uh, people are changing the world. And uh, they've, you guys have a, an extreme call in your life. You have a, a, a huge call in your life, and I'm honored to know you. I'm excited to be able to come to Ghana someday and, and sit in your mansion. Um, <laughs> And, uh, yeah, we'll work it out. Um, but, but honestly, I, I'm privileged to be able to have this much time with you. Uh, you've been a good friend. It's, uh, it's been amazing. It's just seeing you grow and come into all that God has for you. And I'm excited to see what you're going to do and how you're going to shake the world. Um, Richie, I just want to say I'm really proud of you. Uh, I, you're an unsung hero in this family in the way that you've honored and walked in humility. And the verse that I keep hearing over you is how you've increased in stature and favor with God and with man. And so I, I don't know if we're ready to pray, but I want to release favor to you. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just release favor right now for all that you're called to, Richie for all the steps that the Lord would go about you and surround you uh, with favor as a shield. And we bless you. We bless this next season, this next journey of your life with everything that you need for life and godliness you carry within you. And Lord, I thank you for wisdom. I thank you for great, great increase in his life. And I thank you for all the seeds that he has sown into this family. I just keep hearing the word legacy and see the word legacy over you, that there is a deep legacy in your family and that's been planted within you that you will be a multiplier when you return home. Um, and, I, and I almost, even home being Ghana, like you are a man of the world. Like Ghana is too small for you. But we just thank you, Lord, for the favor that is upon this man for the gifts that are within him, for the many ways that you're gonna use him through his father's business, through his heavenly father's business. And I thank you for the multiplication. I thank you for the advancing of the kingdom through him and through this business endeavor that is not gonna be just contained in Ghana, but it's gonna be um, above and beyond that. The impact that you have, Richie, is so, deep and amazing. You are just getting started, and it is such a privilege to know you. It's a privilege to continue to know you and to stay in fellowship and covenant with you, because while you may um, go to Ghana, you are not leaving us, and we are always with you. And It's just an amazing privilege to know you, and I'm so excited to see what God's going to do with you and through you in the days, weeks, months, and years to come. Thank you, Father. God, we bless him. Mm -hmm. I say keep him. Let your face shine upon him. Yeah. 
and give him peace. I thank you, Lord, for all that you're going to continue to do in and through him. You're going to stand in front of mighty men and women of great influence. God's putting you right where you need to be. You're like Joseph, and you're going to stand in front of many people who have great influence, and you're going to be able to uh, give wisdom that no one would have without hearing the voice of God like you do. And that's going to increase in your life. You're going to have a greater discernment than you've had before. And so we thank you for the gifts that are within him. We say, come forth. Come forth in greater measure. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. We hope you were impacted by this message. For more information about The Well Grand Rapids, please visit our website at www.thewellgr.com.